As we build a design is to maintain that feedback loop and get feedback, whether it's at the provider facing side or a patient facing, it's just that continuous um, updates on what's working, what's not. Hi, I'm Patty and Rada with Hims. In this episode, I'm joined by Anna E. Schoenbaum, DNP, RNBC, Vice President of Applications and Digital Health at Penn Medicine. Today, we'll talk about how better data and provider decision-making can boost patient experience and outcomes. Before we start, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Walters Kluwer Health, bringing you up to date the premier resource for clinical information and treatment recommendations used by more than 2 million total users worldwide. Go.uptodate.com forward slash podcast. And thank you, Anna, for joining us today. Thank you for having me here today, Patty. Great. So, Anna, please say a little bit about yourself and your role at Penn Medicine. Yes. So I am a clinician by trade. Um, I was a pediatric intensive care nurse and um, had management experience and have um, just, you know, kind of gone my way to clinical health IT and um, and been in that space for about 20 years. At Penn Medicine, I am the vice president of application and digital health. So my primary focus is on steering the strategic dis- um, direction of our clinical application and developing our digital technology platform. It includes predictive health solutions, clinical imaging, lab IS, and our IS education and training programs. I consider this role to be really an intersection of healthcare and then using the cutting edge technology to help support our clinicians and our patients. And just excited about to talk to you about clinical decision support and our initiatives that are underway in this rapidly evolving space. And just to share with you a little bit about Penn Medicine, Penn Medicine has a rich history. There are six hospitals um, in our network, and we are the home of the nation's first hospital and the nation's first medical school. So this historic foundation lays a ongoing commitment of excellence in healthcare education research. We have 47,000 employees. We have 3,600 inpatient beds, 6.9 ambulatory visits, and even our home healthcare program has a large patient volume of an average daily census of 4,000 patients with an annual visit of almost a million patient visits. Wow, very impressive. (laughs) Um, You know, how would you describe the health systems, analytics, and clinical decision support capabilities, you know, for that, uh, you know, wide ecosystem? Yeah. So here at Penn Medicine, we're really embracing analytics and clinical decision support tools. um, And is to make sure that our goal is to provide our clinicians with real-time and evidence-based insights to patient care. Um, As you know, for the last 25 years or um, maybe some a little less than that, but at Penn Medicine, we've been um, on our EHR platform for 25 years. So we've established a rock solid EHR platform. And that is the backbone of our care delivery system. But we're not stopping there. We're actively investing in building a strong infrastructure that 
allows for us to integrate and analyze data seamlessly and present it to our providers to make real-time decisions, um, but also to address workforce challenges and clinician wellness. Um, the EHR is a foundation, but I believe the next layer of using that data for value is going to be the real magic of how we can make informed clinical decisions. Okay, so digging a little bit deeper, you know, what are some recent innovations or initiatives you pursued there, you know, regarding CDS and analytics? Yeah, so let me categorize um, the different efforts of clinical decision support here at Penn Medicine. I'll do them in three main um, areas. And let's just begin with knowledge-based clinical decision support. In this domain, those are the kind of the traditional clinical decision support, which is maybe what people call robust, rule-based. Those are the defined rules and alerts or logics that kind of trigger recommendations. They may be something that is what we call at the top of a patient's chart or maybe a pop-up that kind of provides a recommendation. It could be those clinical guidelines and protocols that are integrated into our EHR. Oncology is kind of known for, um, you know, protocols. And then um, when we all started with implementing EHRs, we leveraged order sets. And order sets are predefined orders, test procedures for a certain clinical scenarios. So that's been in place for a long time for a lot of people. But here at Penn Medicine, we're taking it to a next level. We have a third-party solution that we're implementing. And what we're doing there is that we're integrating these evidence-based pathways into actionable workflows inside our EHR system. And so what this does is when our providers are in the EHR, it will provide on one screen actionable pathways and they don't have to necessarily toggle between different screens or different um, places in the chart. So that's um, something that we are um, in the middle of implementing. Another clinical decision support is also known as data-driven. And those, this has come up probably really um, started maybe about five, six years ago. And those are um, maybe in the predictive analytics or predictive models where you're using machine learning and data analysis to maybe forecast patient's outcome or identify health risks. Um, a good example is patients with in a value-based program or maybe say a diabetes program where they may get on a list because they're high risk but based on lab values. And it can prompt a provider in sending messages or following up on this patient based on the data that is presented to um, our care providers. Then the last one is what there's been a lot of hype, and that's the artificial intelligence enhanced clinical decision support. So it's fast growing, a lot of buzz in the industry. And in that realm is that it um, the artificial intelligence algorithm analyzes patient data and symptoms and other information to support our clinicians. And you asked me about, you know, what kind of initiatives may be in that realm. So we have two that I could highlight for you. One is that we're implementing chat GPT in our in-basket messages with our EHR vendor. Um, what this is, is that it can enhance communication and streamline information exchange to patients. And um, 
So I think that's great. You know, it's like a e- an email, little prompt, a message, just kind of what they call a co-pilot and drafts a message. So we've implemented that. We've been on it for, I want to say, eight weeks, maybe longer than that. And it's it has mixed reviews. Um, we still require ongoing support of prompt engineering refinement. Um, we know we're early adopters and we want to be early adopters so that we can provide feedback and to see how we can incorporate into our workflow. So it's just at the beginning phases and we'll see how that tool um, is adapted in our clinical environment. Last week, we, we had, um, launched a new initiative um, in the realm of ambient listening technology. So may, that's a new bus out there too. And that is the AI-powered solution that enables clinicians to automatically create a draft of a visit with a patient. And that will do it really within seconds. So once you have the conversation with the patient back and forth, so you and I are having a conversation and I'm talk, asking you about, you know, how's the baseball game? How's the football game? And then why you came in and I would do a quick assessment. After our visit, I can press a button and with, within um, seconds, it will summarize our conversation of that um, visit. Now, we just launched this and our providers are using it. And just early on, I've gotten feedback that if used right and tested, um, this could be a game changer for documentation efficiency. So um, we're excited. We're just doing a um, um, pilot at two hospitals or, well, I guess two instances of Epic um, at multi, uh, at all our hospitals, but um, we'll see how that um, plays out in the next month here. Great. So it sounds like you know, you've got the spectrum of, of, you know, a lot of solutions, you know, established, but also some really exciting, you know, innovative solutions going on. So, you know, what have... Uh, been some of the important insights that you've gained, you know, or challenges that you've faced, you know, as you work to help ensure that the right data is available to the right people at the right time. In today's industry, um, in the landscape of health IT, um, I think the most important is just data accuracy and getting access to that data. Um, It's really critical. And um, it comes with unique challenges and insights. And so I'll just share maybe one challenge, there's many challenges, but I think it's dealing with data silos um, presents a significant challenge. Um, As healthcare systems may acquire new hospitals and they may um, have multiple EHR platforms or multiple third parties, they may um, also, it has um, various departments and specialties. If you do not have a good data governance um, from the get-go, you'll have data kind of scattered, and the interoperability makes it challenging to understand kind of a comprehensive view of a patient's journey. So I would say that's a big challenge. With that, you know, as we're implementing these clinical decision support, we can put frameworks in place to deal with those challenges. And so one of us with, um, I'll talk about it from an AI perspective, because since that's rapidly um, evolving and it's really important to make sure that we deploy that correctly. It's really paramount to deploy um, within an organization with a clear framework of how AI tools should be deployed. And I'll just cover maybe some 
essential boxes that you want to just check off to make sure as you're deploying these AI algorithms that these items have been addressed. And so utmost importance is reliability and safety is to make sure those algorithms are reliable and safe. Um, we're dealing with patients and we need to ensure that our data is has integrity and is accurate and it's also presents it in a timely fashion too. Also it's fairness is that we need to ensure that AI algorithms uh, are designed to treat individuals fairly without bias, um, re really regardless of the demographic factors. We need to also ensure our AI solution are inclusive and accessible to all patients. We just need to make sure when we're testing that includes, again, patients that are with different backgrounds, diverse needs, and they um, you know, generate the right outcome. With algorithms, there's a lot of things um, um, that go into play, but you really do need to understand what's under the hood. So transparency, or some people call it explainability, you need to be able to explain how you're getting the data or the decision that's, um, that presents itself. So you need to understand how that AI system works and how it makes decisions. And the last box is accountability. It's just accountability is just integral to the AI governance. Um, the governance needs to establish the, the processes and the responsibility to make sure we're using the AI tools responsibly. And you know, as we establish these framework, we need to also have guiding enablers, and those are standard tools and processes. We need to understand rules, when AI can be used and when AI can't, can't be used, understand HIPAA and how those are impacted if you're using ChatGPT, for instance, um, within the walls of the hospitals. Training and development for providers and project teams and support team is needed, as well as for healthcare leaders. And then I will just emphasize just setting up a governance structure, but also considering the team to support and to monitor these AI tools um, as you go forward. Yeah, so it sounds like you really have to have that foundation in place before you hit the ground running. And also the three main pillars of things, you know, people, process, and, and technology as well. So, you know, thanks for that. How do you and your clinicians approach workflows and potentially workflow redesign to optimize clinical decision making? So, you know, optimizing any kind of workflow is multifaceted and um, is a collaborative approach. And so when we do many of our projects, we include operations, data analytics, informatics, information services, and training. But with AI, and we include this in just normal implementation sometimes in early on, but throughout an AI process, we need to make sure security is there, privacy, risk, data science, ethics, legal, maybe research if you wanted to do, if you're doing research, and then clinical leader who is focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, which we do have um, um, a, a department that oversees that area. So, but it's a, a larger community to participate in optimizing clinical decision workflows as it pertains to AI. 
Um, but as we approach the AI or just any kind of addressing um, um, issues is to understand the problem and, you know, what are they trying to solve? And then is it, and so it could be solved by a clinical decision support, but we may be able to find another way to do that if it, it's, if it works out. And then also is to engage in somebody maybe with user-centered design and develop a, a workflow that is um, with the provider in mind. And as we build a design is to maintain that feedback loop and get feedback, whether it's at the provider-facing side or a patient-facing, it's just that continuous um, updates on what's working, what's not. And then just to make sure that we adapt a solution and then to monitor that adoption, um, we want to make sure that all that investment, pay, the provider is educated and trained, and then we continue to monitor adoption. Right. Um, so are you able to draw different real-time data from different points on the patient's journey, you know, into care teams' decision-making processes, and what tools and strategies do you use yeah, you know, and I, maybe I'll use a clinical um, use case because um, we do do that and we do that real well in one um, in many areas. But I'd like to share with you a use case where we do use um, real time data at different points in um, a patient's journey here. And um, it's with our remote ICU center called Connected Care. So this is a virtual remote area. It's kind of centralized ICU. And um, we're moving from our legacy to a our EHR vendor um, alerting system. And so we needed to create the alerts in our EHR vendor. And um, we call it our PIN alert system. And we have created, with the help of operations and um, anal analysts and EPIC, um, it's proactive and reactive services to data. And so an example of proactive um, clinical decision support is early detection of sepsis. So that's using real data at the real pointing time in care to provide um, alerts or information to our caregivers. Then it also can be reactive where an example of that is an electrolyte disturbance alert. So say somebody has a low potassium or really high potassium, it would also alert the provider. And the way we have um, this built is that we also allow the clinician to have some flexibility control of the alerts based on their clinical judgment. So it's really important to have real accurate data, but also to be able to provide it at the right time and place. And so the con connected care remote ICU, I think it's a really good example um, to be able to share. Um, but anyway, they do phenomenal work and they take care of patients all over our health systems. Um, and they're just phenomenal clinicians. Great. Um, Anna, thank you so much for joining us today and for your insights. Thanks. I just, um, Patty, this has been so much fun. I just want to express my um, gratitude for um, having me here today. I am looking forward to what technology has to offer and how we're going to transform healthcare, but always keeping patients at the heart of our endeavors. Great. Thank you so much, Anna. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Walters Kluwer Health, bringing you up to date 
the premier resource for clinical information and treatment recommendations used by more than 2 million total users worldwide. go.uptodate.com forward slash podcast. Have a fantastic rest of your day, everyone.